0: Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, everything your dog wants you to know, as well as the Cat Bible, everything your cat expects you to know. This episode features one of three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIWFM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for over 15 years. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at tracyhotchnerpets.com. This show would not be possible without the longtime support of Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make, but what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food, remaining privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards. This show is also made possible with the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their kitties. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my New York Cat Film Festival, of which I am the founder and director along with the annual New York Dog Film Festival, which premiere in New York City every October and then travel the USA and Canada, supporting local animal welfare groups. Go to dogfilmfestival.com and catfilmfestival.com to find out when we'll be where. I am back with Annie Phoenix, truly the person I most enjoy talking about dog behavior with dog training. Her book, Positive Training for Aggressive and Reactive Dogs, which really is a misnomer. It's not what it is. It's just a great book about how to work well with your dog. Proven techniques to help your dog overcome fear and anxiety. Of course, the whole topic of is your dog fearful and anxious is for another day because I've asked Annie to come back and talk about your dog at the vet from the veterinarians and the vet tech's point of view, something which is rarely talked about. And I think it's important that we understand that we put our dogs in a stressful, fearful situation, even if they're not fully showing it, but most do, and that can change the way they behave, and it can put the vet and the vet tech in jeopardy, something that people are not really taking much responsibility for. Annie, welcome back. And thank you for sharing with me a quite horrific story of a vet who was mauled by a dog, not because we want to shake people up or sh- rattle their cage but kind of a little bit I do I want them to know that dogs are capable of doing horrible damage to veterinarians because nobody is really acknowledging that the dog is at a is at at a tipping point in behavior so mm-hmm. you probably have some generalized things you want to say before we tell about the story and the story is to be instructive and to tell you that any dog is capable and some are prone. So those are two separate issues, right? Right. And there is
1: um, a lot of fear in
0: taking your dog to the vet for the dog. And it begins
1: way before your, your veterinarian puts the hands on the dog. Yes. It's the waiting room. It's the anxiety. I have a lot of anxiety taking my own well-trained, well-behaved dogs to the vet. I like veterinarians who are mobile and come to my house. It makes it so much easier, but they can't, there's too many dogs. And there's That's actually right. a shortage of vet, veterinarians right now. And they have the, one of the world's hardest jobs. They do. And I want to acknowledge that they also have one of the professional high professions, highest suicide rate, because it is such a hard job. So we ask people to please be kind and consider it to their veterinarians. They're not in it for the money. Believe me, years of training and all of that. Um, but it also falls on the owner to understand that they are putting their dog in a stressful situation and to help their dog acclimate. Um, many vets let you do if you call ahead, just like a drive by where you bring your dog in, nothing happens except treats. Yes. <laughs> it's not an yes. appointment. You're just acclimating the dog. And we don't do it. You know, it's not fun to go to the vet. It's like going to the proctologist or something or the for the OBGYN for for yeah. humans. It's not yeah. fun. But we can help dogs out. And also, a thing about veterinarians is that they are—they do not spend a lot of time in vet school on behavior, because that's not their job. I mean, that's it right. should be. They're medical. Trainers think we should. Yeah, they're, they're medical. I can't suture an animal. I can't operate. I don't want to. I, right. I would not be a good veterinarian. They are not trained in, in behavior. And that's one reason we look for collaborative efforts between trainers and behaviorists. But what the story that um, we're going to talk about is a horrible recent story of a rescue dog, which has a whole nother, we could talk about dogs in rescue and which ones should be uh, adopted, uh, adoptable and which aren't because we right. cannot save them all. Um, this was a rescue dog that they, I, I don't know if the veterinarian and the vet tech had some idea that the dog, they must've had some idea or been told by the rescue that the dog had some aggression issues or fear issues. Most of it is based in fear because the dog was muzzled. Um, for the exam, but the muzzle fell off, and the dog attacked the person close to them, which the dog, which is a veterinarian, like a brutal attack, so much so that they couldn't pull the the dog off, and her arm was completely mauled, to the point of ambulance, hospital, surgeries, and, you know, a veterinarian needs their arm yeah. <laughs> to do everything. Yes. So that's a professional, um, I would, you could say accident, but is it an accident if if someone along the way knew the dog
0: was capable of this all right so um, let's talk let's talk about muzzling all right if i've also known of groomers groomers are in the exact same position of jeopardy many dogs detest going to the groomer i had a friend once i had a lovely a a chocolate standard poodle and we said oh we're going to take her you know whatever her name was, Amber or something, to the groomer now, just in in the Berkshires in Massachusetts, and the dog gets in the car, and as she approaches this cute little house where the groomer is, the dog is salivating and shaking from head to foot. Mm -hmm. And this woman was the most loving owner that just thought, this is what happens. And I said, you Mm -hmm. cannot take this dog in there. Whether they're good groomers or not, whether they do fear-free handling, this dog is terrified. Let's just groomer ourselves at home with a pair of scissors right? And she never took her to the groomer again. But groomers too are in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. If you don't recognize your dog is highly stressed, terrified, and it doesn't take much dropping a scissor uh, or, you know, the stethoscope going on the chest can seem like an attack. So let's talk about muzzling, because this Mm -hmm. is something which is socially unacceptable. One year, and it shouldn't Be socially unacceptable, it should be embraced. At the New York Dog Film Festival, somebody submitted a film once from England. It was a marvelous little film, but it was very much a how to. A woman telling the story of muzzling her dog in public and how she got kind of negative feedback about that. What's the matter? Is your dog dangerous? And she was Mm -hmm. just knew that the dog was reactive and was just trying to keep everybody safe, including the dog. Your dog bites somebody, your dog's in jeopardy of being euthanized. Or causing everybody, you know, a lifetime of of trauma and terror. So why do we have this negative association with muzzling? And the muzzle that the vets use is often a cloth one that holds in with a velcro because it's swifter and it comes in three or four sizes. I actually remembered the brand at one point. But the basket muzzle, which in many places in Europe, a dog is required to wear a muzzle in in public. Mm -hmm. Like in Italy, the large German shepherds, 90% of which are male, Mm -hmm. because dogs are not spayed and neutered for the most part in Italy or a lot of Mediterranean countries. And therefore, they're bigger and stronger. Doesn't mean they're more dangerous, but they are muzzled. And that's considered correct social, you know, Mm -hmm. an outfit to wear, right? right? Why are we afraid of putting on a basket muzzle that buckles behind the head and stays on With a dog that has shown any propensity or a dog we don't even know what their propensity is. What about that in these situations?
1: Yes, I am a big fan of muzzles, the Muzzle Up Project. There's lots of ways, um, programs out there to help people get past that uh, initial judgment that the dog is dangerous. I have a trainer friend whose dog... Yeah, when they lived in Portland, um, would eat anything that they found on the road, including right. a joint. Right. Somebody oh just got a joint. Yeah, Yeah, and the dog got very, very sick. That's very bad for a dog. So that's not has nothing to do with aggression. There's all sorts of reasons to wear, including I was in Ireland recently, and certain breeds there also have to wear a muzzle. Really? It doesn't mean they've bitten anyone. Yeah, German shepherds included.
0: Nice. I mean, um, nice, so, interesting. I mean, it's just yeah. culturally... Yeah thought to be a routine, whereas in America it's like, oh, if your dog's so yeah. dangerous they have to wear a muzzle, why do you even have the dog or why do you take it out in public? They miss yeah. the whole point that every other dog walking around has the potential to bite their small dog or their small child or their self if, they're, if they're pushed. It. Yeah.
1: If I see a per- an owner with a muzzle on the trail or wherever, I say thank you, and then I kiss the dog's face because I don't know why it's muzzled. Not because I'm afraid of it; it's right. because it's just the same. Same with I mean, I just don't pet strange dogs. But um, muzzles are crucial. But I also have to the dog has to be acclimated. And I agree completely that it should be a basket muzzle and not those super tight ones. Yes. Um, imagine being scared going to the vet. You don't understand what's happening. You smell the pher- pheromone of fear yes. from all the other animals and pain. A lot of dogs are in the back in yep. pain, yep. waking up from euthanasia. They could be whining. It's just, it's like an ER basically for humans. But imagine we went and they strapped us down, but we are fully like our arms and our legs and you had no choice Yeah, what they were doctor or going to the dentist, which is one of my fears <laughs> and you're strapped down. Yeah. So it, 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 I wish the culture could move forward and we see a muzzle and you say, thank you. Same as a dog growls I say, thank you. Exactly. Thank you, and I stop what I'm doing and say, what did I do? What did the situation, environment do to cause this growl, and how can I elite, relieve the dog from the need to growl?
0: Just um, to, it to make really this clear, if, if anyone doesn't understand the, the association that Annie just made, and her book, Positive Training for Aggressive and Reactive Dogs, will explain this, we don't want to extinguish the growl in a dog. If a g- dog growls and or lifts their lip and shows their tooth, they're telling you, stay away, I'm scared, I'm worried back off. Never say to a dog, bad dog for growling or for showing their teeth or even air snapping if you've ignored the rest of it. Just say, thank you. I understand. I'm going to give you space and not put you in the situation again. All right, going back to the vet. So you got to see the vet because the dog either needs the annual physical or has a medical situation. I Knew of. I've had many vets who are friends. I still have many vets who are friends. Why wouldn't I? I'm actually have the honor of being on the advisory board of NOMV, which is not One More Vet, which is the organization looking out for the emotional mental health of veterinarians because the job is so stressful and so full of dichotomy and conflicting emotions, you know, taking care of dogs, putting dogs to sleep, having owners be difficult, all those things. So, This person, this vet friend, was nailed by a dog. That's the word that they use, the veterinarians. If a horse kicks you, who's known to be a kicker or a biter, God, a horse bite Mm -hmm. is painful. And they Mm -hmm. say, oh, she nailed me. And the owner will say, whether it's a dog or a horse, in my personal experience, they say, oh, she hasn't done that in a long time. (laughs) And you want to smack that person upside their head. Are you kidding me? You knew this dog or horse had the instinct to do that when pressured when feeling cornered or up against the wall which is how they feel in a vet office often how can you not say let's for everybody's sake put a muzzle on i brought a basket muzzle i don't want to put on that cloth one that makes them unable to pant
1: yeah right or or drink or anything else Yeah, and we know from scientific study, which I really value studying animals um, versus just my experience or my superstitions or whatever, um, that pain affects behavior. It does for us. Like if I have a toothache, I am not the same person. You're crabby. Yes. And so often we're taking the dog to the vet because we as owners have seen that they're experiencing some kind of pain. So beginning with that, they're in pain. So let's make this experience from the owner's perspective and also from the veterinarian's perspective as kind and as gentle as we can possibly be for example weighing the dog is where it generally starts and most of the vets i go to the the, they weigh them outside where other dogs are staring at them and other outside the exam room well why not just put the put a A private room in the back where other dogs aren't present and do it as quickly as possible, not shoving. And if the dog doesn't want to be weighed, you know, maybe you like I have the white coat syndrome and my blood pressure goes through the roof with medical doctors. And mine have learned to they take my blood pressure in the beginning, but then they do it two or three more times towards the end of the appointment when I have time to relax. Yeah. You know, so.
0: Or trust the owner to weigh them at home. Step up,
1: you know, your own weight. Step on the scale. If you can, not pick up your dog.
0: Well, <laughs> I, I cannot, cannot pick up a 95-pound Weimaraner, and I think <laughs> some of your dogs are a bit large to to pick up, too. But, you know, there's there's another thing that I, I don't quite understand how much is we talk about the tension going down the leash in training and walking a dog mm-hmm. and uh, approaching other dogs. And our tension is translated or transmitted, whether it's the smell we give off to our dog or the, the tension on the leash the way we touch them or our voice. We're we're giving them that tension. So you clearly are not a doctor lover for yourself. Nobody wearing a white coat is your idea of of great. Right. I have never had a dog be nervous at the vet, and that is dogs that I've had since puppyhood, and at least half a dozen dogs adopted at various ages with varying degrees of neurosis because it's mostly been Weimaraners, so you can sort of tick (laughs) that box. I remember the first time I went to the vet, here in Vermont, and I had three dogs, two wimes and a mixed breed collie-type dog, and two or three vet techs and one vet came in the exam room to open the door and said, we heard that there's two really mellow wime runners here. We wanted to see what that looked like. And my dogs were lying on the floor. It was cool. It was boring. They lay down. And so a number of people tramped through and said that, and I thought, oh, well, this isn't normal, apparently. But see, I view the vet as quite fun and interesting for them. There's some good other smells to have. Of course, there can be obnoxious, barky, lungy dogs. That's not great. But I do think some of it comes from the human, which isn't to say we can cure you, right, and make your experience all positive. But if you recognize that you're giving off vibes to your dog, well, then you still have to keep alert and make sure that It's not influencing your dog into trembling, panting, whale eye, looking around, uh, you know, just all those rigid body. If you can chill your dog out, my dogs, I think, think it's the best time ever because I'm not doing computer or telephone or radio. I'm totally focused on them, talking to them, patting them. They're like, this is heaven. Why does not she do this more often? I mean, everyone's situation is different, of course, but... If you can, if you, the humans, can make the vet visit something positive and you try to form the best bond you can with your vet or vets, the dog picks up on it. I mean, I hug my vet. Emotional. Right. Yeah, emotional contagion is real. Oh, I like that. Emotional contagion. That's a perfect phrase. Yeah, we do. We yeah. do have to check ourselves
1: with all in all aspects and and ground ourselves. So it, it you know grounding is a real thing. But I also have two concrete suggestions for owners. Okay. One is don't I do not let my vet unless it's an emergency take my dogs to the back without. Oh, me being I agree. There. That's, Never.
0: That's old. Never.
1: That's old behavior. Never. And. Because they, you know, you don't know what's happening, and, and they can be rough. They can, rough handling, and we understand why they're in a hurry. They have appointments, but the other part thing is look for fear-free um, certification. Certified yes, through Doctor Marty Mar- Marty Becker, who yep. is in my book, and so is yep. uh, Michael Becker, his daughter. Fear-free it, it takes work, work, works on cooperative handling exactly. in an effective way that the veterinarian is not losing time. Yep. but they understand the do- like the let go of a point. dog. My dog. Yep. My dog growled when the vet, the fear-free vet came to my house, and he, uh, he doesn't like his front feet touched. They, they picked up his foot to get a blood draw for a routine test. He growled, and I told him that he probably would. I knew he wouldn't bite or I would have muzzled him, but he will warn. He's a healer. Yep. And they dropped his foot immediately. She sat on the floor. The veterinarian made friends with him again after she had already spent time getting to know him. Her husband was a vet tech. They He went in and held him firmly and pet his chest, and she went for the back leg for the draw. See, so that's my what you find a solution.
0: Annie, we've run yeah. out of time on protecting our vets from our dogs and being wise and smart about it, but I really appreciate you being here, and I hope everyone will give this a lot of thought. And by the way, teacup poodles bite just as hard as 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 the largest German shepherds, so you're not, you're not off the hook, folks, with your little dogs either. Thank you, Annie. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the show. There were a few more special companies that make this show possible, and I hope you'll try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. This show is supported by Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative dog chew, No Hide, and the hybrid dry food, Wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky Weimaraner Maisie will eat. The show is also brought to you in part by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human edible, ethically sourced ingredients to gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. They founded and run their own company and answer to their own high standards without interference from venture capital investors. My dogs love it every single day.